Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. Hello and welcome to IRC Book Club. Today, I'd like to bring a word to you, our listeners, from Michael. Hello, dear listeners. So I was just talking to Jonathan pre-show, and the number of listeners always falls off uh, during the show as the shows continue. And I tell you, and Jonathan said, why is that? And I said, I'd say the problem is, is I think we're too honest about the books. I think if we said, this is the best book ever, you should read it, more people would stay. But frankly, I don't see the point in you listening to a book club show where you want an honest, experienced um, summary of the book. What's the point? <laughs> you, are, yeah. you know, people either want it or they don't. You know, the challenger sale, Johnny, I said it three weeks ago, is a six out of ten. And to be perfectly honest, this last chapter, this might help your listeners, is about a three out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh. Oh, no, t- tell me I'm wrong, Johnny. The title, Taking Control of the Sale. Right, this is not how you do it. Wow, there's an opener to the show. I think the funny thing is, Mike, we preach a little bit to a choir here, as they say in America. Yeah, the, the um, choir are on board. Yeah, the people who are listening, they're, they're already there. I mean, to be fair, there's a guy called Stephen Arneson. Stephen made a, a couple of really good comments on a post I put on LinkedIn the other day. Stephen, if you are a listener, thank you so much for that. And he did point out some of the positives he's had out of Challenger. Um, and I think that he's a lot deeper into the training and has some of the tools that CEB provide or Gartner as they are now in terms of profiling candidates and stuff. So there are other dimensions. And I think what we and you and I have to do, and we talked about this yesterday, is we definitely have to open up the show to a wider panel of opinion and bring people in. You know, for example, Stephen is a a senior level guy. Um, He clearly does pay attention to what we're talking about online, whether he listens to the show or not. But people like that need to come on. And they, they need to come on the show, yeah. I mean, I, the chat and, that you're talking about, Stephen, he's never commented on any of my posts. Obviously, I don't like him. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, come on the show. Yeah, Tell me I'm wrong. We were going to get Paul O'Sullivan on the show, but... Yeah, but I'm time 100% is, in. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. So what we're, we're appealing for today, I think, is Mike and I are going to start changing the show up a little bit. And what we want is a bigger panel for each book. Mm. Um, and, I, and we want Michael and I to talk less and the panel to talk more. So this is an open invitation. If you're out there, you're listening and you're interested, next month, Thursday morning, GMT, 9.30 a.m., Michael will be recording the first of four shows on the new strategic selling by Miller Hyman. Which I do think panel. is an absolute beauty, by the way. Yeah, I mean, we like it because we're, we were both, we've both been through the full training on it. I've done the manager's training on it. So I really get it. Um, and it works for me. And I talked last week, didn't I, about how wins and results and understanding the bigger human picture of why customers do what they do 
really works for me. But that's because I've been trained in it and I get it. I reckon had we in this show had somebody on the show who'd done the full challenger training that has said, poise, 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 he's missing the whole dimension here. I hope, yes, very probably. Uh, and, I, and I think that might have made a significant difference. But I think that's a great opening to the show. Hello and welcome. Uh, this week we are talking about taking control of the sale. Um, I'm working on something at the moment, Mike. I'm, I'm teaching myself to speed read. Right. I've, I've done, I did some speed read teaching ages ago and I read a lot of the books like that. Yeah. I, I just, I've read a book recently called Limitless by a guy called Jim Quick, which is really good if you don't read the first about 150 pages where he talks about himself. Um, when he actually gets into talking about how to become limitless, it gets really, really, really good. Um, and one of the sections is on memory and I'm uh, working on some of the memory tools, just game changing, right? But speed reading is great. So I've been speed reading this um, and it's given me a different outlook. It has helped me take the content in a little bit more. Um, my first thought, opening page of the chapter, chapter seven, challengers are confident in the value they'll provide to the customer. I wrote here, but therefore you need value in the solution. Now, I was working with a candidate the other week, right? And I said to him, why are you leaving this job? And he said, here's the thing. I've been here a while. We've got this product that was designed by engineering. So it, it's really feature rich. I've been here a year and a half. I've been in this sector for 15 years. He said, I cannot work out why a customer will buy this product. He said, I just don't understand what it is about it that is my leverage point with a customer where I can say to them, but we can do this. He said, yeah, it sort of manages this and it does that and it does this and it does that. It does it sort of pretty much like everybody else's. But if you said to me, why am I changing the world with this? What, how do I, his point, we were talking about it was he said, there's no challenge in the product. The product doesn't challenge. So are you so saying, I, therefore, that then the challenger sales suits a product that is challenging in its nature? It's easy to be a challenger when you're selling really sexy AI technology, isn't it? Oh, yeah. True, can, yeah. You know, I, we, you and I are working on a little project at the moment. I spoke to a supplier last night. As it happens, I spoke to the wrong salesman in that supplier, and he came to sell me a different product to the one that I wanted to talk to him about. But he started showing me this other product that they've got. Easy peasy to be a to be a challenger when you've got kit like that. Yeah, but in fairness, and, and in defense of the book, actually, um, a lot of the examples that it gives of how they're reframing, they're not for challenger products. I mean, I don't like the examples at the back of this. No, that's a fair point. I, I, I get a bit bored of their examples, but one of them was something, I can't remember what they are now, but I remember reading thinking, well, that's a you know, pretty mundane no differentiator product. So I think if you had whoever wrote this, um, Matthew Dixon and Brent Adamson on, they go, yeah, yeah, that's fine, Johnny. But this is actually about if you do a reframe and a teach, you can take a mundane product and present it as a challenge. Yeah, all right. You can take hammers and turn it into a challenger solution. Yeah, I think that's what they'd say. Okay. But, and I'm going to counter argue a little bit, which is if I'm an individual salesman X or individual salesman Y, and I myself am having to think of my challenger proposition because I don't necessarily have the 100% backing of a company. So I'm the one that's got to go out 
create my own materials, create my own reframe. I think that's a lot harder when I don't have a challenger sale. I agree with that because I have been saying that on a couple of shows. Yeah. The challenger sale to work really needs to uh, work at an organizational level as much as it does an individual sales yeah. level because everything needs to be really tied into it, I think. And, and let's be clear, I gave it a six out of 10. So I did give it six points because actually going back in the book a little bit, but the concept of teaching, was it teaching, tailoring and taking control? Else? Oh, that's what, yeah, we're on take control. Teaching and tailoring, tailoring, there is a good bit of that. But, you know, if you have a mundane product or a, you know, if you sold hammers, which is your example, um, if you worked for Ox Hammer Tools, like the recruiter in the office next is used to recruit for, I suspect money, you need though. to adopt the challenger sale at an organizational level. It made money placing salesmen at Ox Hammer Tools, didn't it? Not much. No. Okay. And then, then they make this point. Challengers know better at the early stage of the sale. They sniff out these foils immediately and press the contact for expanded access in exchange for continued dialogue. When these contacts don't grant access, the challenger reps know will be critical to completing the sale. Their response is to cut sales efforts short and move on to the next opportunity. So I want to discuss that with you, Mike. I think that lots of companies, I was talking to another candidate the other day where I said we were talking about why I was leaving and he said, I have to go after every RFI that comes through the door. And he said, I don't get to qualify out. And he said, because it's an RFI, I've got to be seen to be going after it. That's why he's looking for a job though, isn't it? Yeah. And he said, it's just ridiculous. No, no, but my point is, he's looking for a job, or she. You yeah, said yeah. he, so let's presume it's he. It is um, he. he. He's looking for a job because his boss looks at him and goes, yeah, Bill, you're damn right you've got to go at every RFI because you don't bloody sell anything. Yeah, yeah, Every yeah. time I give you an opportunity, you've got to go after it. Whereas if Bill was actually hitting target, making leads, finding his business, they'd turn around and go, yeah, yeah, listen, boss, that's an RFI, I'm not doing it. Correct. And his boss thin, would go, thin funnels right, fair make, enough. Thin funnels make weak salespeople, don't they? Exactly. You so see, I don't really it, have any sympathy And for I him, did actually. write later on in my notes in the chapter, it's easy to be a controlling challenger with a fat pipeline. It's hard to be a controlling challenger with a thin one. Exactly. That's also very true. You know, and, and, and to be fair to the book, it, I, I'm working on a particular lead at the moment with a client in the healthcare sector. And uh, I binned it off. I've deleted the lead this morning because it made me think, why are you chasing that for? You're chasing that because you've been busy working. Because it's a lead. Not because actually it's an ideal client. Bin it, get rid of it, move on. Making you run around. Making you run around, making you feel like a... I thought, that client is making me feel like a fawning, chasing salesman. And I'm not... Please deal with me. Yeah. Oh, please, can I have your job spec with your shit little company that no one's going to want to work for anyway? Yeah. I so, I just, so I literally this morning, to be fair, having read this chapter, I just deleted the lead. I didn't even move it on a month. I just deleted it. I thought that if they really want to work with us, she can chase me. And that's not arrogance. That's about the sensibility of, I, I'm, I thought, hold on a minute, what are you doing? So uh, there is some useful stuff in here. It is, it, the other thing I think about this is, it says the company teaches its reps to push for expanded access right from the get-go. It assumes again, and we've talked about the importance of buy-in across the organization. It assumes that the reps... And I hate the word rep. I really hate it. Why? Well, I quite like it. It assumes, yeah, well, it's it's humbling, isn't it? That's just what it is. Yes. 
I like to call them salespeople, but I feel it assumes that people are empowered to push for that access. And again, that it, it all comes down to a higher level of organizational buy-in. I wrote here, control is about honesty and shared clarity. Yeah, well, we could write, you could write a book on control, really. But that, I mean, yeah. you could you could pick holes in any of the sales books. You know, the next chapter, chapter eight, the manager and the challenger selling model. You know, I don't think it's a particularly good chapter. But in fairness, how, how can it be? It's a chapter in a book. Whereas yeah. people have written re, you know massive books on sales management. So I sort of get your point on control. Um, yeah, I sort of get it. Yeah. Okay. I've written quite a few different bits here. I mean, the beauty of being, of controlling is, I wrote here, they should rename the book The Honest Salesman. I think that's a book in itself. I've always thought that. And it's interesting. So I'm dealing with a client at the minute and you know who they are. And it's a lady that I've only dealt with for about a year. I've got to tell you, she's in the top three people I have ever, ever dealt with. As a client? just full stop. Right. She is hands down. If I, if I had to spend my own money on a salesperson, she would be in my top three. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And the others, and I could name the other two, but I'm not going to, but the thread of commonality they all have is an ability to be straight honest. Yeah. Dead honest. And that in, in and of itself makes you a challenger. Yes. She because, is really honest, this woman. Yeah. And it's that honesty. What they're talking about, the, the, it says here, the data tells us that challengers are able to push the customer. Sure, they can push on financial terms and aspects of the selling buying process. They push the customer in terms of how they think about their world and their challenges, as well as the solution to those challenges. I wrote what, i.e. they tell it like it is. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's a, it, it, it's a re- what in reality this book is, it's a reframe from the old-fashioned hat-doffing salesman where the customer is always right. And I get that, but actually it's about having an element of personal courage and personal honesty. And it's, a, it's, that, it's that little moment where, you know, I was talking to, I'm working on this sales director's job at the moment, senior sales leadership job. I'm talking to a fellow last night. And I said, are you currently actually looking for a job? And he said, nah, not really. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to qualify out then if that's okay. And he went, why? And I said, well, I've got five other candidates who are active in the market, who are really good matches to the job. You're not active in the market, but the reality is you'll muddy my waters as a sales campaign because you're not serious about finding the job. You get the job. I've burned the other five candidates I've worked hard to generate and I've burnt my client and it's going to take me ages to get that much momentum again by putting you in the mix. And he went, all right, okay, fair enough. Good for you. But that's just yeah. about being honest with the guy as yeah. opposed to, yes, great. I'll consider your application. I could have lied, couldn't I? Yeah, yeah. Well, collecting CVs, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't. I just told him the truth. And actually, he'll, he, he was like, right, fair enough. Good for you. Good qualification. So, yeah. it, it, and some people would say, well, that's aggressive what you said to him. No, I just told him the truth of what you know, Do you know, it's interesting going back to this lady people misperceive her. I've had candidates misperceive her as being aggressive. She's honest. She's, not, she's honest. She's Do you know honest. what she is? She's honest and the truth hurts. 
when I was recruiting through in the UK, so I'm recruiting through in the States at the minute, uh, she interviewed a candidate. Candidate tried to close her. She said, no, I'm not going to take your photo. <laughs> candidate, candidate said, why? She said, well, there's a few things. Uh, do you want to know them? Candidate said, yes. She went, right, there's 27 spelling mistakes on your CV. Uh, the CV doesn't actually align with LinkedIn. So I'm nervous that you're missing something off your CV. And she just went, bang, bang, bang. Candidate didn't call me for five days. <laughs> when he called me, he said, hi, Mike. I went, ah, I just assumed you were still in your interview. He said, what do you mean? I said, Mike, you hadn't called with your feedback. He said, to be honest, I was really crestfallen. And he told me this. And I said, what are you going to do? He went, I'm going to rewrite my CV and rewrite LinkedIn. Yeah, but you just told him so the, the, the truth. truth hurt. Then and there, the truth hurt him. Yeah. And she's not sugarcoated it. So she is a challenger by virtue. And actually, did she take control of the sale to hire that person if she had wanted to, without any doubt? Yes. Now they without talk, any doubt. They talk a little bit about the... They, 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 they kind of Are you denigrate... still on chapter seven? I am, yeah. They kind of denigrate what they call the passive rep's primary goal is to please the customer. I think some sales jobs really demand people pleasers. I think oh, CSM, CSM roles do. More than that, you've got you place this fella who calls people fella. Hello, fella. Right. He's a people pleaser. A really nice chap. Never going to disagree with anybody. You're going to say, yeah, well, he moves job every year. But I actually can't look at you talking of, but fair enough. All right, fella. He says when he picks up the phone. I dealt with him once whilst you're on holiday. All right, fella. How's it going, fella? And he's got this. Oh, sort of I really... know who you mean. Yeah, do you know who I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's Lovely, not... very sweet human being. Yeah. People yeah. pleaser. But actually, in certain roles, at certain levels, the sale demands a people pleaser, even in a yeah, net well, new business role. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to stick up for the book here. Earlier on in the book, it is pretty clear that not everybody's a challenger. And yep. not everybody needs to be in certain roles. Hmm. So this is really only appealing to the people who are, are challengers. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel they kind of denigrate the people pleaser. There's a lot of room in the world for people pleasers. Well, of course they denigrate the people pleaser because they want to sell you a challenger selling model. Yeah, absolutely. And then they talk about being passive versus, of a, versus aggressive. And I, I, I've written here, most people simply don't have aggression in them. So. They're talking about, in the book, about taking people into being challengers. Now, my challenge to that is, if I take a passive salesman, if I take Mr. Hello, fella, hello, fella, they're saying you can turn him into a challenger. I completely disagree. I agree with you there, 100%. They do say this is something that you can learn. I think it's something certain people can learn. Yeah. So your guy that you referenced, is it Stephen, you said? Well, uh, Stephen Arneson, who's read yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, Stephen, I must apologise. 21 years of sales recruitment, I'm not coming across you, but there's time. Um, I never spoke to the guy, but I suspect if he is comfortable with this book, I suspect he's quite comfortable with telling people the truth and challenging them. Yes. M must, must, so must be to be into the book. I suspect so too. And I would imagine all the people who are really into the book are comfy with it. I think yes. if you... Put hello fella on a, <laughs> that's his name, hello fella. If you put him on the challenger training, I think no it'll matter wash, what it'll wash over him and he won't do it. 
Yeah, he'd be back in front of a customer the next day. Hello, fella. You're right, mate. Exactly. And everybody's his friend and he loves everybody. And if the customer says, I need you to do this, do that, do this, do that, and I want a 50% discount, I go, 50% discount? Tell you what, I'll meet you halfway, 25. And But he, he, he's, an, in his own little way, at the level that he's at in the market, in the universe he plays in. He's well, to whom he sells, yeah. To whom he sells. Guy. He's an effective guy. Give him a break. Give that model of selling a break. The companies that employed him, if you look at, have made plenty of money. Yes, but that is a different conversation that. They've made money not because of the salespeople that they've hired, but because of the market position that they have. The Correct. And the model that they have. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's quite a few companies out there, you know, big ones, who actually don't recruit particularly carefully, I don't think. And people who have worked out, who haven't worked out somewhere else, work out with them. And a lot of that is because they've got really good product and they're in a really good part of the market. You know, uh, we don't deal with Salesforce and I'm not going to knock Salesforce. How can you? One of the most successful IT companies in the world with a brilliant product that we actually use. So when I say this, I'm not knocking it, but I don't reckon you've got to be much of a challenger to work at Salesforce. No. And again, it comes down on back on page 131. I've written it in five different colours. It's easy to be a challenger with a fat pipeline. It's difficult to be a challenger with a thin one. And well, I think you've fun- got a fat pipeline. You don't need to be a challenger, do you? But it makes you a challenger. Because there's part of you that just develops that swagger that says, do you know what? You're wrong. There's a, the, you just develop... Pipelines create confidence. And confidence well, we've got to stay on topic. But when you're on, whilst you're on that, I'm going to talk to you about that quickly, actually. Because I don't necessarily agree with that. I think what happens is, um, is I don't know, let's say you're my prospect. Let's say you're my candidate, right? And uh, you're into one of my clients. Let's say it's Salesforce. It's not, but, you know. Um, and uh, you go, listen, Mike, I'm, I'm not going to take the job at Salesforce. Go, yeah, no problems, Johnny. Right. See you. Bye. You go, what? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what just happened then? You go, oh, you've, and you phone back, hang on a minute. And, and I say, well, I'm not going to disagree with you. I've just got loads of other candidates. No worries. See you. Bye. I'm not challenging you, but human nature says we often want what we can't have. It's like when you touch the counter in the fish and chip shop, it says hot, don't touch, you touch it. <laughs> but actually, <laughs> oh, I love fish and chips, man. Don't you, I can't believe you've even mentioned the word fish and chips. Now so, I'm going to so, have to go for fish and chips. Yeah, right. so sometimes, you, you know, I, I don't, so I don't necessarily agree that having a big pipeline makes you a no, challenge. It, I think but it makes just you, either It's interesting or because having a big pipeline gives you control of the sale. Yes, it does. But I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who, even with one thing in their pipeline, will have the personal self-confidence to be a challenger. The goal... Not plenty, a few. Harder to do, though. Yes, I agree with that. So let's move on to chapter Harder eight, to be a challenger when you've only got one thing in your funnel and you need to close it to keep your job. What do you make of chapter eight? I wrote on page... Um, I wrote on page 143, boring. Uh, I mean, it was all right. I... I th- you know what I like, though, and it's not necessarily what our readers will like, but I think this, this one is called the manager and the challenger selling model. It doesn't really say how to manage people. This doesn't teach. I have not learned anything from it. doesn't teach you. It doesn't um, say, right, so you've got Johnny, you've adopted the challenger selling model. Is he doing X, Y, and Z? How do I monitor it? 
Pricey, my favourite book on sales leadership, and we had him on the show, is Keith Rosen's Coaching Winning Salespeople. Completely agree, yeah. Absolutely, Keith, 100%. Keith provides a model for coaching and managing a sales team. You could have never managed, pick up that book and manage people. It's full of scripts and models and things to do that will make you a better manager. He's a little bit cheeky, chappy, cheesy American, but I'll tell you what, we had him on the show and I thought, this all just makes sense. I thought it was so, top guy, yeah? Yes, yeah, a Haynes manual for managing salespeople, isn't it? Yeah, proper top guy. And he's guy, smart and he's sharp. Um, I'll tell you what I would like to see is, I, 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 I would like to see CEB's hiring diagnostic. I mean, I'm working on a role at the moment, talks about this client before, they, they, they live, eat and breathe this particular test. Oh, yes, yes, I know which one you mean. Where it's a personality test, where it tests for hunter-controller mentality. It's not, I don't think, CEB's test. But what is fascinating is, my God, it rumbles the candidates. So I put a lad in there the other week, Microsoft lad, who on paper, he just looked like such a good match to this client. But the test just rumbled him for being a nice wet account manager from Microsoft. Right, fair enough. And actually, what they're saying in Chapter 9, implementation lessons, for me, I think that there's a few bits. One is, you've just got to hire, if you're going to really go for challenges, I think you've got to hire for them. Yes, I think you should test for them and hire for them. Yeah. If that's um, your methodology. My other issue with the book is, I just don't believe a lot of the companies we engage with have the capacity, the bandwidth, the headspace to invest in creating a challenger business model. I think I might have talked about this last week, which is if I'm a VC-backed software company and I've just had my 30 million quids worth of backing and I've got the investors breathing down my throat, the investors are saying, go out, hire people, make them make you money. What they're not saying is go out, build a challenger sales model. I think the challenger model really suits much more mature companies Possibly, or organic. You know, if you were a you know small company going to grow organically and yeah. do it right from the start, then maybe so. But anyway, well, that's I, back on the actual at, chapter, Jonathan. You seem to have ignored chapter eight. Yes, I've I've literally been the whole thing. Unless you've got something useful to talk about. No, it. let's actually stick to the book for a bit. Uh, chapter nine, yeah. implementation lessons from the early adopters. Yeah. What do you reckon? All right. <laughs> um. In fairness, you know, in fairness, on page 170, it says, not every high performer is a challenger, which we have just been talking about. And I thought, correct. fair enough. He also says, uh, be, and he's talking about different type of salespeople, beware, of, beware the call of the lone wolf. Lone wolves don't follow any process or set of rules aside from their own. That makes it impossible to model and replicate their behaviors across the sales organizations. Um, I mean, it's absolutely right, but I don't think there's anything... And again, I go back to it. I've said it over I wrote and over. here, I'm less convinced. Well, I've said it over and over, which is, if you adopt a challenger model, everybody's got to be on board. But if you are, let's say, your Salesforce, and I've got a guy from Microsoft, and you go, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, Mikey, looks a bit of a lone wolf. And I go, yeah, but he's done 500% target for the past five years. You want to sell to retail. He's a retail expert. You go, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to hire him. Yeah. That, well, that's what a Bert... Do you actually say that? You go, ah, tell you what, Mike, I'm just going to hire him anyway. And that sort of upsets the apple cart of the challenger thing. Um, well, it's a bit like a football team, isn't it? 
you know, the irony is, Mike, the really, really, really great teams, A, have talented people in them, and B, have have cultures that are right. That's that's reality, isn't it? Mm. You know, Leeds United, they're, they're punching above their weight in the Premier League right now. Why? Culture's right. Yes, Bales has done a good job with that culture, hasn't he? Culture's right. Hard-working culture. When he first got there, he made them all pick up litter in the training ground uh, for X many hours so that the players would understand how much work a fan has to do to pay for a ticket for a game. I read that story. And and loads of other... He made them just do chores. Apparently Didn't he make one of them go work with a plumber or something? He just made them all do chores around the training ground for days because he wanted them to all understand this is what fans do to pay to watch you. Yeah. But that's about... He's created a culture, hasn't he? Anyway, so getting actually back to the book... But we are on the book because what we're talking about is, and, and you shouldn't you should worry less about going off on tangent. It's book club. We're talking about a reading group here. Um, what is interesting is that those cultures that are right, they're about hiring the right people as well as the talented people. I th- yeah, I agree. I think they're about hiring the right people for their culture. Yeah. You know, hello, fella. He now works for a business where culturally he fits in. Yes. I, a, a fella came to my house last night. A gentleman came to my house last night. He's a friend of ours who's a salesman. To, and we got talking about his job. He totally suits the new culture of the company he's in. Gentle soul in a gentle sales culture. Perfect. So the, the whole concept of the challenger... And whilst we agree it's not about aggression, it's about assertion and about strength of will, you've got to hire culturally for that. And I'm, I totally refute how easy it is to convert people. I agree with you. I think you can't convert people. Well, we've tried. If they don't, if, if they don't want to be converted. No. You know, some, some people are going to seek the light, aren't they? They're going to go, this is boring, I want to do more. You know, but you go back to the old days of PTC, which you know you're very fond of, uh, which I think is a you know is is a is a good example. They hired people that were right for their culture. They weren't yeah. bothered about what they'd sold at all, really. No, you could have sold. You could have sold. Yeah, and they did it right. I think Energist did it right as well. You know, Energist 2002. They had a guy who I know his name. I'm not going to mention it. He sold kitchens in the job before Energist. He- and he made fortunes there. Now, subsequently to leaving there, he's not really achieved much. Yeah, because actually, culturally, he was right there. He was just in the right culture. He was Well, they hired somebody who was fired up and was going to listen to instruction. Exactly what he did. And I remember the, the early days of vehicle tracking, you know, like Minor Planet, whatever happened to that, I don't know. But um, theirs was the same, wasn't it? They you know what was people. mental? Was That was a mental culture, Minor Planet. Yeah, you used to have sales, sales meeting. meeting on a Sunday morning. The blah, sales blah. meeting used to be on a Sunday. If you hadn't sold anything, you had to wear a dunce's hat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They'd give bonuses out on a Sunday morning with dirty cash. And so you'd, if you'd been a good boy and you'd done loads of business, they'd just turn up, right, here's a Rolex, well done. Correct. And, if, and, and, and apparently people would get fired in the Sunday morning sales meeting. But to be fair, Michael... They completely led that market. They must they, have. I don't really know, but they must have been the market leader. Sure. They were the total and utter market leader at that period of time. And they floated to that company and became multi, 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 multi millionaires. 
out of what was a thoroughly unpleasant culture. No, it was only an unpleasant culture if you weren't culturally culturally aligned to it. Yes, if you knew what the nature of the game was, it was great, I'm sure. Yeah, so I used to sell... Getting out I used of to sell, bed pissed on yeah. a Sunday morning driving to the sales meeting. I used to sell double glazing at university in 1997. <laughs> you can imagine what that was like in Hull. In Hull, living the you dream. Can, you can imagine, but anyway... We've nearly finished, Mike. Yeah, I mean, the, the last chapter, you know, chapter nine, lessons from early adopters, you know, there's not much to talk about, really. So, you know, I, 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 you can probably guess what my surmise is, that I think overall, it's an okay book. If you have this at an organisational-wide level, and then you hire the right people, probably a pretty good model. But Mike, I think you've got to I get need, those two I need right. to stop you, Mike. I have Mike. missed something absolutely massive here. What's that? Appendices. Firstly, there's a selling style diagnostic in the appendices. I think the book's uh, just got good. Hold on. Oh, I've read that. Right, okay. So, so there's a selling style diagnostic. It doesn't look particularly in-depth, but there is one. With a in fairness, it's, a, it's sort of a summary of what they've talked about. And then there's an interviewing guide. Yeah, yeah. For interviewing challenges. I like that. How do you get customers to talk about their business priorities? What nonverbal cues do you look for during sales interactions? Describe a time you proactively addressed them. You like the title. You just hadn't read the actual content before you commented on it. How do you handle gatekeepers to gain access to busy executives? (laughs) How do you handle gatekeepers? I don't. Which is Lucia.io and get the mobile. I I don't. I use Lucia. Before Lucia, I used to blag mobiles. I never did that. I've always just used Lucia. Of course. Of course, Michael. We, we never used to do anything remotely cute or wide in order to get mobile numbers. Never. Under Wrong general person. data protection regulation. I must have just had a hallucination. Definitely. Um, sorry, Michael, for, for my terrible hallucination then. Um, uh, so, yeah, okay. How do you decide what is and is not important to decision makers? Describe your research process to learn about the customer's so, okay, if you were hiring for a challenger, that, I think that's, that's quite useful, actually. I quite like that. Fair enough. Yeah. That's quite useful. So that's given... I'm telling you what, the appendix is giving it half a point. What do you give it out of 10? 4.5. God, that's a low score. I give it uh, 6. 4.5 for me. It gains the 4 because... It is a clarion call to thinking a little bit more about the way you sell and the way we all sell. But I don't feel in any way or form at the end of it, I'm a better salesperson. What it has made me think about is, and we'll talk about this (laughs) when we do a meeting next week, is I'm going to start a show where I actually do like a video show, a blog, where I actually implement the books we read on book club with, with, with guests where where I'm going to take each book and over a few months, I'm going to implement what I've, what I've read in the book. And I'm going to walk people through my own journey. So I'm going to start probably my first show will be the challenger sale. And I'll take people through the journey of building challenger material. 
and what we're doing with it. And okay. we'll track it through. I think that's that that was the idea for me. <laughs> What's what, what have I got out of this? I've thought I'd love to see people actually going through their journey with these books and that seeing if actually just buying a £14.99 book, £14.99 for a paperback. Um, that's outrageous. Um, I, I, what I want to do is, is actually see people go through the journey with it. I think that's fascinating because actually, if you go through the journey with it, could it make a difference to you? Could you actually be sat here? If I sat down now and said, right, okay, Mike, we're, I'm going to, over the next three months, I'm going to vlog every week about my journey of turning IRC into a challenger sales model. We've got some pretty clever shit we do. We could challenge people's thinking with the way we work. And if well, I actually sat them. down, yeah, we could teach and tailor and take control. And, I, and if I actually sat down and said, right, okay, this is it, right? I'm going to create teaching material. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then actually did it and implemented it. I wonder where I'd be with it in 12 weeks. I'd object strongly if you tried mm. to turn IRC into a challenger model. You don't? I'd object strongly to that, yeah. Why? Because uh, I think it creates um, uh, an employment trap of employing people. Talent trap. Yeah. That, you've that got, is of you've, no use to you and I. No. Yeah, you've got to employ challengers for a start, uh, which I think is a... Uh, uh, you know, a bad start. And, you know, would I incorporate some little bits of it, teaching, tailoring, blah, 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 possibly, but I think we do that anyway. I think it yeah. would be a waste. I think it would be a waste of time to do that. So, okay. So I've what about say, if, if we did it? What about if we could get some people who would say, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll go on the journey and you create a show about our journey rather than IRC's journey. Yeah, I, 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 I would be into that. But actually, if somebody paid by the hour and said, you know, what should I do? The first thing I really, and this is completely off, off topic of the book, is I thought the previous book that we read by Shari Levet, no, it was Shari Levet. Rose the, the one that no that one listened to. Much, much. The one that no one listened to that was the best book we've ever done on the show. Yeah. That would be useful book definitely so, so far. That would be a much better place to start, I think. And I tell you why, because you can you can implement that so much easier. If you actually understand it, you can really implement that because you can template the language that goes out. You can template um, the way in which you ask questions of people and ask them information. Yeah. You can categorize people so they're getting a better service. And you can do all that. And then you could employ my 11-year-old daughter to do it. Whereas actually, you know, could Honey Price be, use the challenger selling model? No chance. Well, you know, Honey, she's like definitely not a challenger. <laughs> say boot List, the younger that. one, possibly, but yeah, possibly, but that you know, that, so that's that's why I wouldn't do challenger actually. Okay. But if somebody is out there saying we're going to do challenger, would I want to watch it and be part of it? Hundred percent, absolutely. So if you're out there, so if you're and, out there. Here's you know, an idea for a show. I feel a bit Alan Partridge pitching an idea for a show. But if you're out there, I've got an idea for a show, and we'll do it as a video blog somehow. We'll do it together. We'll create the content or as a podcast. If you want to pick up the journey 
of implementing Challenger in your organization or just in your own personal sales game, and you want to walk us through that journey and create a show, we could do a podcast show, we could create a video blog with it, up to you, whatever, we'll work it out. I'll put my mask on and come and see you. If you're up for that, contact me, jonathan at inwardrevenue.co.uk. And we'll, we'll do it because I think that we could, it could be really fascinating content. Actually seeing people pick up with some of these books and go on the journey with them. Oh, I mean, I do know one uh, company that are absolute challenger, you know, completely through and through. I don't think they would come on the show, actually, um, just because we don't deal with them and all the rest of it. They've got a big internal recruitment team, and why would they? Mm. But if there's anybody out there that said, I'll tell you what, I've implemented Challenger. I'm not going to give you any of my confidential information, but I'll talk to you about it and the results. Again, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm all for being... I have a mind changed, hundred percent. So next week we start the the new is it the new strategic selling? No, that's the new solution selling. It's strategic selling by Miller Hyman, and we start next week. Oh, it's on my bookshelf somewhere. It's a really good one. That I might have to get another copy. I have oh. no. I reckon mine's somewhere in my garage, which is getting cleared out in advance of the conversion over the next week or two. So maybe I'll need to start looking at the books and boxes. And at that, cool which is a really dull way to end this show. Thanks for listening. We love you. Goodbye.